Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thanks for joining us to lead, learn, and laugh. I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. Well, today our show is called Self Storage Industry 2014. First, we'll talk with Ryan Severino with REAST to see how the self-storage industry is performing, including property level performance, the investment market, and market projections for 2014. Then we'll get a closer look at the sector, including investment options and tips for operators from the Self-Storage Association. Uh, Then we'll talk with an attorney who specializes in the self-storage sector about mistakes operators and investors should avoid. Well, please welcome my first guest, Ryan Severino, Senior Economist and Associate Director of Research at Reese. Reese provides commercial real estate trends and forecasts of rent, vacancy, and inventory in up to 275 metropolitan areas and more than 6,300 market segments. Ryan, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Michael. Good to talk to you again. Well, we appreciate it. And uh, Ryan, to, to get us started, uh, when did you guys at Reese start tracking the self-storage industry, and and why did you? I mean, is the sector gaining some uh, some stature in the investment market today? Yeah, you know, we started publishing data and forecasts a few quarters ago in, in 2013. We got to a point where we genuinely felt like self-storage, which I think has been regarded as one of the key secondary property types, at least going back uh, the last. 10 years or so, uh, was becoming more prominent. We were increasingly getting questions about coverage uh, from our client base, uh, questions from the media, and so uh, we decided that we were going to go ahead and initiate coverage on the sector. Now, it, it definitely took some time to do the homework, uh, do the research, build the modeling, get it up and running, but you know, I think we're very happy with the product that we're putting out today. Okay, well, that's great. I'm glad to see that you're you're covering it. Well, what do you see for returns and in, in cap rates uh, in the self-storage space? You know, I, I'd say generally cap rates for self-storage, they've been trending downward uh, clearly since the recovery. I'd say we're now uh, in kind of the 6.5 to 7 range, uh, certainly over the last couple of years. I'd say uh, currently we're closer uh, to the, the bottom of that, about 6.5%. I'd say uh, class A properties are probably trading somewhere in the neighborhood of about six. The class B's are somewhere up probably around seven, and then the class C's are, are probably a, a bit higher than that, probably in the seven and a half to eight percent range. So, uh, you know, a pretty good showing uh, on the part of self storage over the last few years. Right, and if you're just driving uh, down the road and you're rolling the dial on the radio, you also can get cap rates on some um, smaller properties that are going to be a lot higher than that. But, but based on these A and B, these institutional quality properties, how do these cap rates uh, relate to other sectors, Ryan? You know, I'd say they, they compare pretty favorably right now to the other major property sectors. I'd say uh, as of the third quarter, the mean cap rate for apartments about uh, is about 6.4%. The mean cap rate for office is about 6.7%. Uh, the mean cap rate for retail is about 8.1%. So uh, on, a, on a you know comparable basis, self-storage shows up pretty favorably. However, you know, I think the one thing that, that is still important to note is that there's still a selection bias occurring in the transaction markets today. Investors are still being choosy about what they what they buy and sell, and transaction volume for all property types is still down relative to where it was before the recession. You know, and by that, you know, I'm I'm talking about more normal levels, not just the the bubblicious volumes that we saw right before the bottom dropped out of the market. So I, I think uh, I think even with that selection bias, uh, it, it does actually hold up pretty well relative to the other major property types. 
Okay, and let's talk about performance a little bit, vacancy and uh, and, and rental rates. Uh, what, did you, what did you see through the downturn, and, and what do you see for trends now on uh, performance at the property level? You know, fundamentals in the sector have really been improving during 2013, which is part of a of a continuation from uh, the last couple of years when the sector really started to recover. So uh, through the end of, say, the third quarter, vacancy is down about 230 basis points from the beginning of the year, down from about 14.9% uh, all the way down to about 12.6%. Meanwhile, you know, asking rents have been, been growing this year by, uh, by about 2.1% year-to-date. So all in all, that's a, that's a pretty good performance on the part of the sector. And, and clearly, it's still in recovery mode. I mean, we are a far cry from where we were in late 2011 when vacancy was at almost 18 percent and so uh... it's been a been a strong performance over the last two years uh... i, I think it it uh, it's definitely rebounded along with the economy even though the economy has not been uh, a stellar performer over the last couple of years itself i see well we're talking with ryan severino with reese about the self-storage market and and ryan what do you expect for 2014 moving forward uh, for performance is this uh, trend going to continue to improve yeah, I'd say we, we expect uh, the sector to continue to recover through next year, although I do expect, uh, you know, it's sort of like we're seeing with, uh, with some other sectors, the pace of recovery to slow down a bit. I think vacancy rates will probably be down another uh, 80 or so basis points from the end of this year in 2014. I think asking rents are probably expected to grow by about uh, 2.8%, which should be on par with about where 2013 ends up. And so uh, I, I think it's continued improvement uh, in the sector, but it's just difficult to maintain that pace of vacancy compression. Uh, so I'd say ongoing improvement, uh, maybe in over the medium term, we could see some acceleration in, in rent growth, but, uh, but it's just going to be difficult to maintain that kind of vacancy compression over the next few years. Okay, and let's talk about property values. Now that we're covering it on the commercial real estate show, and you guys at REITs are covering are we going to see values increase and cap rates compress some? You know, I think so. I think we generally expect to see cap rates slightly down, uh, say, over the next one to three years. Uh, Again, sort of like with vacancy, I don't think you will see the kind of cap rate compression that we've seen over the last few years. Uh, and certainly not if interest rates start to rise in 2014, as, as many expect. But that said, uh, I really think uh, that we could see uh, some downward uh, trending in cap rates as uh, hopefully the economy accelerates, as demand for the sector uh, starts to ramp up a little bit. I think that will uh, somewhat offset the upward pressure on cap rates that we're likely to see from rising interest rates. Well, that's interesting that you bring up interest rates and uh, and cap rates of all sectors because, you know, it seems like that, you know, if, if tapering is going to happen, right, at some point <laughs> next year. So as tapering starts and the stock market starts to react to that, do you think that we might see more money moving from the stock market into hard assets like commercial real estate uh, next year? It's certainly a possibility. I think one of the, the, the great things about commercial real estate uh, is that uh, it is a hedge against inflation. And if the economy starts to accelerate, uh, certainly with uh, the expansionary monetary policy that we've implemented over the last few years, there's, there's somewhat of a chance that we do start to see uh, greater inflationary pressure than we've seen over, say, the last 12 to 24 months. And I think that will start to come back into focus as investors think about uh, where they could possibly place assets. If, if we do start to see the stock market pull back, 
you know, the thesis about commercial real estate being a good hedge against inflation uh, and an, alt- uh, an attractive alternative uh, to equities, certainly nobody is going to be, uh, or not many people are going to be interested in fixed income while interest rates are, are probably trending upward. So uh, you could actually see commercial real estate be a safe haven for, for many investors over the next few years. Well, I think that's interesting. I mean, I, I agree with that because I think there's going to be some people in the stock market that are going to get a little nervous uh, when the Fed quits buying, uh, you know, artificially maybe some people say pumping up the market. And then we've had very little new supply, right, in, in all the sectors. And, and what do you see for new supply for self-storage market? You know, honestly, right now, uh, we do see supply increasing relative to where it's been for the last few years. But I don't really see it being an impediment to the market's recovery. Uh, in the, the markets that we track, the 50 or so markets that we track, next year we only expect to see maybe somewhere between 25,000 and 30,000 new units come online. So relative to the size of the overall market, it's really not that much. And as I mentioned before, we do expect to see vacancy rates continue to trend down, which means we expect to see net absorption outpacing new construction activity. And so uh, so I would say to, to people out there, you know, be a little bit cautious about construction activity. Certainly uh, do your homework if you're considering uh, an existing deal or a development deal. But uh, I don't think it is, uh, it's not the death knell for the recovery uh, in the self-storage sector at this juncture. All right. Well, that's good news. Well, we appreciate you being with us. And before you go today, can you leave, a t- uh, leave us with a tip for our listeners? You know, I, I, I really think that this is an overlooked property type. I think uh, while, while some institutions have gotten involved and certainly consolidation is still ongoing in the industry, it's still a very fractured market, certainly vis-a-vis the other major property sectors. I think there's still a lot of good deals out there. I think people really need to do their homework. And I think, uh, I think our data can actually be very helpful in the process. And I think People have been skeptical about self-storage data in the past. They didn't think that it was so trustworthy. I definitely recommend taking a look. You know, I'm an economist. I'm not a sales guy, so making pitches is not my strong suit. But I can tell you, uh, as someone who's followed self-storage pretty closely for about the last eight years, uh, and in previous roles I've provided a lot of research support for major acquisitions done by large institutional investors, I honestly would have loved to have had the the kind of information that we're producing today. So I would say to to people out there, I I think the market still has a lot of good opportunities. um, And I think the ability to do your homework and find good deals uh, is better now than it's ever been because of better data and better transparency in the marketplace. Well, well said, Ryan. Thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. Thanks again, Michael. Always happy to be on. If you like more information from Ryan Severino and Reese, visit Reese.com. We'll stay with us in just a moment. We'll have insight from the Self Storage Association. I'm Michael Bull. You're listening to the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit BullRealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. It's great to have you with us here on the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. And today our topic is the Self Storage Association. Remember, if you'd like to know the absolute latest on any commercial real estate related topics, check out our on-demand show podcast. For example, last week we covered the restaurant industry and the week before the latest on the debt market, including the best sources for financing particular asset types. There are lots of interesting shows to choose from. Grab your phone, tablet, or computer and visit iTunes or the Commercial Real Estate Show website. 
website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Like I said today, we're talking about self-storage industry. Please welcome my next guest, Mike Scanlon, President and CEO, Self-Storage Association. The Self-Storage Association, SSA, is a nonprofit organization formed in 1975 to serve as the official trade organization and voice of the U.S. and international self-storage industry. Mike, thanks for joining us today. Great to be with you, Michael. Well, I appreciate it. And, and Mike, to help us get started, uh, give us a little perspective of just how big this self-storage sector is. I'm not sure that everyone, you know, it's not one of the main food groups, right? Tell us about that. We're sneaky big. <laughs> sneaky big. Uh, last year, the NFL, all 30 teams combined, did $9 billion. And last year, the recorded music industry, Lady Gaga and all those guys, you know, they did something like $21 billion. Self-storage this year will do $24 billion wow. in terms of total revenues. That is sneaky. You're sneaky big. <laughs> okay. And uh, and it, sometimes I've heard a uh, self-storage association, or not the association, but the sector, referred to as the Cinderella sector. What's all that about? Well, uh, we're not as glamorous as a high-rise uh, office building or a, a mall. Um, and so we've always kind of been relegated to a secondary status, if you will, in the commercial real estate industry. But during the recent recession, when uh, many of the, uh, the big fancy uh, segments of the industry kind of took a nosedive, self-storage sagged a little bit, but we didn't take that nosedive like everyone else. And the Wall Street Journal said that the self-storage industry is recession resistant. And that really helped because people started to take notice and all of a sudden Cinderella was discovered up in the attic, you know. And so now we are uh, right there as a mainstream uh, part of portfolios that are involved in all of commercial real estate. People are hedging their bets by putting some in self-storage. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. And, and you know, Cinderella was uh, pretty when she got all dressed up, right? I mean, you think about some of these self-storage centers. When you drive down the road, you see this beautiful building and you think, is that really a self-storage center? So some of these uh, facilities are really uh, looking pretty good, aren't Absolutely. they? Absolutely. In fact, on your way to work today and on your way home tonight, you're going to pass more self-storage facilities than you are hamburger joints. <laughs> because in the United States, there are 37,000 McDonald's, Wendy's, and Burger Kings, if you add them all up. There are 48,500 self-storage facilities. Wow. So it's a, it's a growing and big industry. Yeah, I know. I think some people may think of the, the smaller ones they see in more rural areas, but uh, there's def definitely some uh, almost high-rise type of facilities now, aren't there? Right. As we yeah. get closer to residential areas in order to meet zoning requirements, yeah. we're going up, and uh, the buildings look like uh, office buildings or even apartment buildings in some neighborhoods. Yeah. And you mentioned the, the recession and that uh, self-storage uh, did okay. How, how did it do? Was it really recession-resistant? Uh, resistant, right. <laughs> yes, we were. Yeah. Uh, we had fewer defaults than any other segment of the commercial real estate industry. In fact, uh, even those defaults, in many cases, were results of a divorce. It had nothing to do with the economics of the facility itself. Uh, so we, we came through that. Uh, we dipped a little bit, but we didn't really uh, uh, take the kind of dive into the Calcutta commode that a lot of other segments uh, took during that recession. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you, know, and you think of uh, self-storage, where I do, I think there's some big players, right? Some, some big major REITs in the space. And then, then you've got some of the, the smaller owners. Tell us about the, the makeup of the ownership and, and consolidation. What's going on there? Right. Um, there, with 48,500 facilities in the industry, mm -hmm. uh, the public companies, and there are five of them, many people, there are the four REITs, but there's also U-Haul is involved in self-storage in a big way around the country. So the five public companies uh, control or operate around 
around 5,400 stores, uh, which is really only about 11% of the facilities in the United States are either owned and operated or managed by one of the uh, five public companies. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, there's a large base in this industry of one-store owner-operators. There are almost 30,000 uh, one-store owner-operators at the base of this industry. Interesting. So that opens really the, the sector to a lot of different uh, size investors, doesn't it? There's a lot of different ways to get into this uh, property type, isn't there? Well, sure. If, if you're uh, a, a heavy-duty investor and uh, you want to get involved in the industry right now, the best way to do it is to look for a facility in your neighborhood that you think is really well run and looks good from the curb appeal point of view and that sort of thing. Go to the owner and say, look it, I'm interested in investing in your next deal. Uh, country club money is a big part of how the smaller operators uh, get their money to build a facility or to expand one. If you're just an ordinary investor, you know, like I am, I guess, you, you can look at these five public companies and uh, kind of build on their success by buying stock in any one of the, uh, we have public storage, you've got extra space, you've got CubeSmart, you've got Sovereign, which does business as Uncle Bob's, and then of course U-Haul is the fifth. Uh, those are all the stocks and they're doing very well these days. They're paying dividends, right? Yes, they are. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Well, uh, you know, I see uh, self-storage facilities in, in real high income areas like we talked about before and then in some rural areas. Tell us about demographics for self-storage where, where should we buy one or where should we build one well uh, building one is a tricky subject and most people are buying today because it's cheaper to buy a facility and fix it up than it is to start from ground-up construction in terms of cost um, but in the old days when self-storage started out it actually started out it's contrary to the way many fads move across this nation it started in the southwest in Texas in Arizona and in Southern California and it worked its way east uh, and to New England is New York and New England are the last vestiges where self-storage is just moving in some places now um, and when we started we were usually put in industrially zoned areas um, or uh, heavy commercial that sort of thing and more recently to try to get closer to the residential areas where a lot of our customer base comes from mm -hmm. uh, we now uh, one in 11 American families now rents a self-storage unit today and so as you get closer to the residential bases, uh, trying to get into uh, light commercial and even semi-residential type zoning areas, uh, we've had to build the stores to make them look uh, uh, more curb appeal, more eye appeal, so they don't look like a row of doors out there you know, on the highway. So the demographics then is pretty diverse? Yes, our demographics really spread across every uh, group. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, roughly 47% of our customer base makes less than $50,000 a year, and 63% of our customer base makes less than $75,000 a year. But we have renters from uh, very low income all the way up to the, the very wealthy. And it's an interesting uh, sort of thing because the people who, um, who rent from us, uh, their demographics are such that when uh, the various governments around the country try to put sales taxes on self-storage, and they have, and we've been able to defeat those efforts, we explain to them that they're not hurting the self-storage industry by putting a tax on. They're actually hurting uh, middle-income Americans that make fifty to $75,000 a year. That's who's getting hit by these sales taxes. Because they're the ones them. using the space. That's right? right. They rent it. Yeah, I mean, I use a storage space. I store a boat trailer, so. A lot of people do that, yes. <laughs> and I've also, uh, you know, I've used storage uh, when I was in between homes uh, and uh, had to store my, all my furniture in them, so. Uh, well, lifestyle transitions yeah. create our business. Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's a, a new job and a move, 
or whether it's a marriage or a divorce or a death in the family uh, or retirement, uh, that sort of thing. All these lifestyle changes create the demand for self-storage. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, great. Well, stay with us. We'll be uh, right back in a moment, and we'll have some resources for you available at the association website. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by France Media. France Media provides exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com or call 404 404- Eight three two, eight two six two. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Great to have you with us today. Well, each week we focus on a topic here interesting to business owners, investors, and real estate professionals. Be sure to catch topics of special interest to you. Sign up for a once-a-week email announcing the show topic at commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today our topic is Self-Storage Industry 2014. We're talking with Mike Scanlon, President CEO, Self-Storage Association. And uh, Mike, I'd like to talk a little bit about the new construction and, and growth of the sector. What do you expect to see moving forward? Over the last two or three years, Michael, we've had uh, 300 to 400 new facilities go up inside the United States each year. Uh, however, now that we're... Uh, in a kind of a more of a boom economy, uh, we're finding out that uh, it wouldn't be surprising if we if the industry built some 800 new facilities next year in 2014. That's kind of the pace at which we were headed. Uh, as we check uh, various building permits and things of that nature, we, we think it's going to be in excess of 800 new facilities going up around the country. And you think with the growth in the sector and the improving fundamentals that that uh, level of construction is, is okay for the sector? I think so. We've had a lot of pent-up demand. Uh, Occupancies have been rising. um, And so I think in in many of the major urban areas, there is room for yeah, carefully inserted facilities. Yes. Right. Yeah, people like to hold on to their stuff, don't they? They, don't. Yes, they, they love their possessions. <laughs> That's right. right. Especially us Americans, right? Thank God they do. That's right. Well, you, you talk about new construction and, and being careful. Uh, what are some tips for an investor maybe buying a, a value-add self-storage center or someone building a new one? Well, I think, first of all, they've really got to do some great due diligence in the markets these days because you can put in a new facility here and there. But some markets are very overbuilt, and uh, you need a good feasibility expert, a a fellow or a woman who's not afraid to say no. This is not a good place for a self-storage facility. Um, And you really have to do the work. The old days of knock down a cornfield and put up another one are over. Uh, Now you have to be very careful about where you put these investments, especially when you're talking three, four, five million dollars to put in some of these new ones. Yeah. And as Ryan said with... uh, Reese, that you have better information available now, right? Absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah the Reese reports, especially in the top 50 markets, are re- very helpful, and we're, we're glad to be working with the folks at Reese. Okay. And if they'd like to get information on those Reese reports, they can get those right through your association, right? Uh, if they're already in the industry, if you're an owner-operator, you can buy the reports through the Self-Storage Association. If you're in the financial community, you would go to Reese to get them. 
Okay. And tell us about some of the other resources that are available through the association for, for operators and owners and investors in the space. Well, obviously data is a good place to start. I mean, we now are able, we do our own data and research and we do polling every quarter. So we have a really good p feel on the pulse of the industry here at the, uh, at the Self Storage Association. Um, but with Reese now adding the rental rate information and occupancy information, we're, and they're sub-marketing, you know, I think they have 50 top markets and 280 sub-markets within those that are where we can give you detailed information on occupancy and rental rates. Um, but at the, at the National Association, and actually we're international these days, uh, data, uh, lobbying, and we do an awful lot of lobbying work, at, mainly at the state level with uh, state lien laws and tenant insurance, that sort of thing. Um, but we also do uh, uh, lots of uh, meetings and conventions. We do two national conventions a year. Um, we move the spring convention around. We're going to be in Atlanta in 2014, and then we're in Las Vegas at Caesars Palace every September. Um, but we also have a, a lot of uh, communication, uh, monthly magazine, as well as uh, educational workshops throughout the year. We put a, on an economic summit. It'll be in New York City in January. Uh, we have a winter ski uh, function out in uh, Park City this year. Uh, and uh, these are opportunities for people not only to get away and network, but also uh, get a chance to learn what's latest in the industry and what's going on. So we can do a ski in, ski out self-storage center. <laughs> Absolutely. But we have publications and we have a lot of legal information, which is yeah. very important in our industry. Yeah. And so we have the, if you're a member of the National Association, you can belong to the self-storage uh, legal network and also get a copy of the self-storage legal review, which comes out six times a year. And uh, we're now making that legal network available through the state associations as well, where they can get really expert opinions from lawyers like Scott Zucker mm -hmm. uh, to give them information about how to handle a particular customer situation. Okay, and the training, is it available all uh, in, in, in studio, I'm in a studio, in class, or is it also available online? Uh, online as well, and we also tape all of our national convention sessions and put them on our website. But we have a, a thing called the Acquisition Valuation Course, where we provide a computer model where you can go in and actually learn how to value your own property or look at deals and, and evaluate various deals that way. That's fantastic. Well, Mike, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you being here. Thank you, Michael. It's good to be here. If you'd like more information from Mike and the Self Storage Association, visit selfstorage.org. Well, stay with us. We're going to talk to an attorney next who will talk to us about the self-storage industry and some mistakes investors and operators should avoid. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Does your company provide professional services to the commercial real estate industry? The Commercial Real Estate Show is an excellent way to reach your target audience. For advertising options, visit commercialrealestateshow.com or call 888-612-SHOW. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show, where we always like to have fun, right? We invited to check out Commercial Real Estate Show TV. That's right. Visit YouTube. Search for the channel commercial real estate show what well, today our show is called self-storage 2014 please welcome my next guest scott zucker partner with the law firm weissman zucker uh, scott specializes in business and commercial litigation with a special focus on the self-storage industry uh, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you being in the studio. Well, thanks for having me back, Michael. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And, you know, the uh, first thing I'm curious about is, is how your practice 
has changed over over the years are you you know we, we did have some distress and some workout work uh, how has your practice changed uh, more recently well actually i've been pretty lucky because i got involved in the self-storage industry actually when i started my practice back in the late 80s mm-hmm. so i've been through a couple of the recessionary periods with the self-storage industry and we've seen as as mike scanlon talked about the resistant uh effort of the industry with regard to to their um uh, their ability to to fight back against sort of recessionary times uh we've had the time where we've helped facilities build and grow and consolidate we've also had times where we've helped them do some workout and uh, restructuring so uh, we've been there through the good times and the bad times and now we're really back in a good time yeah so you're not doing any more workouts and uh problems. No, I think the banks have been uh, pretty good about working with these facility operators. And as, as you've heard before, is we've been on the low end of the default rates for the commercial industry. Yeah. Okay. And let's talk about acquisitions a little bit, Scott. I mean, you know, what are some of the more common mistakes that investors should avoid when they're acquiring these properties? Well, you know, what's interesting about self-storage is they're buying the properties and they don't get promised, to, uh, they don't get uh, estoppel certificates from the tenants because the tenants have their property in the units, the doors are locked, they have the key, so they really don't know what's in the units. They need to know who the tenants are. So one of the things that I really push for investors that are buying properties to look at is to do an audit of the property and look at the leases and make sure they have a lease for every unit and therefore have a good sense of what's going on in the facility by knowing who the tenants are. And I guess you also want to look at the payment records, right? And see what they're paying on time. Right. Well, you know, that might affect the price if they're not paying on time, but you know, they really need to take a good look at the facility with regard to the maintenance records. Mm -hmm. Uh, Certainly look back at making sure the property's in zoning compliance, but they're really looking at the the property as a whole, an environmental sense to what's happened on the property, who's using the property. A lot of these properties are for uh, storage of cars and boats and RVs. So they have to make sure that the property is is, uh, clean or no what they're getting into before they buy these properties. So there's possibly more environmental issues to to look at than a typical pro- a commercial real estate property, right? Well, because of these vehicles and things. Yeah, I, th- I think it's part of the, the the phase one and phase two sort of analysis of any good yeah. due diligence on acquisitions of properties. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we counsel folks to take their time and and look at the issues with respect to what they're buying. Like you said, look at the rent rolls and really need to do an audit of looking at what the, the leases correspond to the units that are being rented and making sure that the management of the of the property, whether they're going to continue with the management that they're using or bring on their new managers, had a good sense of what was going on in the property. Do investors in this space, uh, in, in their due diligence on, a, on an acquisition, do they go through every storage unit? Or no, they can't. They can't. That, that's, that's the point. Oh, is, I see. See, the, I mean, the tenants lock the space. They keep so you don't the know key. if they're using it or not. Right. Well, the best tenant has always been to rent the space and not put anything in there. But if uh, they're paying, you're right. yeah, but but certainly they don't know, and and that's why these sort of audits of corresponding leases leases to the units is pretty important. Okay, and they also want to check out uh, the access to the property in the in the uh, roads around it and accessibility, right? Right. We we've uh, counseled uh, operators for years to make a, a good effort of looking at the DOT plans around the properties to make sure that. Uh, you know, the, the curb cuts are there for them to access the property, that trucks can get onto the property. One of the things that, that people uh, 
sometimes miss is the fact that if there's a lot of development in the area, how the, the road access could be affected. And access into a property for self-storage where people are moving goods is really important. We have moving trucks moving in and out of properties all the time to store goods. So so that access is really important. That's a good point. Okay. So I guess you also you want to look at other uh, permits that are being pulled maybe to build uh, competing properties. Yes, yes, no, absolutely. Another key ingredient is yeah. looking around what's going on and, and seeing what other operators are doing to expand their own properties and, and having permits to, to construct and expand or for other future competitors who have plans already in the books to build properties down the street. Uh, a lot of folks have to look within that five mile to 10 mile radius to see what sort of competitors are out there. Okay, and let's talk about some mistakes that operators should avoid uh, or managers and, and owners during owners. I, I hate to say this, but I probably wouldn't be in business if operators uh, did a perfect job <laughs> with the operations of their facilities. Yeah. I work with operators a lot, especially on training managers and trying to do their best job with regard to how they rent these facilities. One thing that a lot of people don't know is self-storage is a statutorily driven business. There are statutes in 48 states in the District of Columbia as to how you can operate a self-storage facility, primarily with respect to what happens when a tenant defaults on their property and how you can inevitably sell their goods to recoup the lost rent. It's a self-help remedy by sending notices and advertisements, uh, very much like a warehouseman would sell goods for a defaulting tenant at a warehouse. There is no court procedure in most states for a landlord to go against their tenant to sell their goods. They can literally advertise the unit and sell it. I mean, uh, this is sort of a la storage wars and, and auction mm -hmm. hunters, the things you see on TV. That is a way of the uh, landlords to create a remedy for their sales. So if I don't pay the rent on my storage space, they might sell my boat trailer. Right? They, they might, and you got to pay your rent. But uh, <laughs> you'll get notice about it, and, and yeah. that's one of the things that's happening in industry is pretty exciting. Is they're modernizing a lot of the lien laws around the country to make it easier both for landlords and for the benefit of the tenants. What are what are quickly the typical notice provision to a tenant that's non-paid? Well, uh, in most state statutes, the notice provisions are going to be a, a, some sort of preliminary notice by regular mail, then ultimately a notice by certified mail. And as we'll talk about, I'm sure some of the, the, moder uh, the modernization of these statutes will be by email. Then there'll be advertisements in the paper and then ultimately a sale at the premises to sell the goods. Okay. So as a tenant, you, you'd have to be not paying attention to not know. Yes. Right. yes. All right. Well, stay tuned. We're going to have more tips on self-storage uh, investment and operations. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and you're listening to The Commercial Real Estate Show. Hey, thanks for sharing the show on Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter. We sure appreciate it. Well, our show today is called Self Storage 2014. We're talking with Scott Zucker, a lawyer who specializes in the self-storage space. And, and Scott, let's talk about what are some of the hot legal issues right now in the self-storage industry. Michael, it's really an interesting time in the industry because we're seeing a shift in the statutes around the country. This is not just regionally. This is now a movement across the country to update and modernize the state 
self-storage laws that apply to self-storage operators. We have changes in using email for notification to tenants for the lien sales as we talked about. So you, can, you can't not use email now, but you might be able to well, later. Well, there's uh, already 18 states that now allow the use of email. Now, there's okay. certain regulations that go along with using the email for notification, but I mean, that's a significant shift already. Almost half the states now allow email notification to their tenants. And we found that's really helpful because a lot of tenants who are in transition using self-storage will not have a permanent physical address. Oh, and we've also noticed that for a lot of uh, tenants that are in the military that are using self-storage, we are much better able to communicate with them via email to resolve their just you know their, their and, payment and, disputes. And in those states where you can use emails notification, was it have to be at certain times and the, that are they're more likely to see it and that sort of thing? No, I mean there's always a timeline that goes along with the email notification, yeah. so they have an opportunity to cure their payment. But you can't send them the email at 3 a.m. in the morning. You know, right? it's funny the statutes don't even talk about oh. that, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not usually checking my email at 3 in the morning. Hopefully, no. most people won't be woken up by email. Yeah. Uh, but it's interesting because I think what you see is a trend to update these state laws and make it easier both for the landlords but also for the benefit of the tenants so that now they're getting their notices via email since most people use email. I know the National Association even did a survey and study on the fact that most people will receive their notices via email rather than certified mail. Okay. And what about towing my trailer if I yeah, don't pay? worried about that trailer, I can tell. I hope you're paying your rent. I hope I'm paid. I better yeah. check. Uh, you know, it's interesting. One of the things that happened in the self-storage industry is not only the storage of goods inside units, but now the ability, based upon zoning rights, to uh, store cars and boats and RVs, which has actually been a benefit for a lot of areas where their subdivision covenants prohibited the storage of the cars and the boats on the properties at the homes. It may have happened in your neighborhood while you have to store off-site. Yeah. So uh, now they have the ability to do that. Whereas uh, self-storage operators are not really good in the title business of you know getting new title and selling the vehicles like a lot of towing companies are, now you have statutory provisions in a handful of states that will allow the cars and the boats and the RVs to be towed off after a certain default period and let the towing companies handle the proper sale through the DMV or the Department of Watercraft. Okay. And how about advertising of uh, the stuff you're selling? Yeah. Well, uh, again, it's very interesting that you realize this revolution of the internet and using that as a, a information means for for both tenants and for landlords. So now the number of states will allow you to advertise in lieu of putting in the, the, the local newspaper, will allow you to advertise the sale online so people can see their the fact that their units are being sold online and have better access to see that there is a risk of sale and then pay their bill and uh, avoid the sale. Okay. And what's a, a final hot topic uh, legal-wise for this industry? Um, you know, it, it is interesting that uh, we have these modernization issues going on with the lien sales, but I will tell you that it's not just the state laws that are really important for operators to be aware of. It's uh, There are federal laws that apply to self-storage operators as well. Uh, Americans with Disabilities Act applies. Uh, federal communication laws apply to how operators work with their tenants. So unfortunately, uh, you know, educators, uh, uh, operators need to be educated about the laws, both for their state and federal law. And we really uh, push the the resources of the national associations and the state associations to go out there and learn about your state law, go to these sessions, uh, take the training to make your managers and operators better at what they do to avoid liability. I, I counsel more than anything in these sessions, avoiding liability, avoiding these risks by being better educated. That's a good, good, well said, Scott. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Michael. I appreciate it. For more information from uh, Scott, visit wzlegal.com. We're invited to join us next week. We have a great show in store for me. My guest is Les Atkins, and we're going to talk about social media strategies for 
business. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Michael Bull. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by your friends at Bull Realty, France Media, Atlanta Office Liquidators, and Wiseman, Noack, Curry, and Wilco. For more information about these companies or to access additional show podcasts, videos, or blogs, visit commercialrealestateshow.com.